0: Hello and welcome to episode 86 of the Viva Albertos podcast. My name is John Fleming. I'm a writer and editor at Viva Albertos, joined as always by Heather Simon, who is also a writer and editor at Viva Albertos. Hey, i here. Um, there's, if you hear any squeaking in the background, it's not just Heather getting excited about something, it's because her dog is currently playing with a toy, mm-hmm. but hopefully it's not too intrusive. Maybe <laughs> an occasional sound will be kind of cute and charming for the podcast, but if he's panting throughout the entire episode, we apologize, but... Also, we'll probably just let it stick because we're bored of editing these things.
1: And what are you going to do about it? Don't pant.
0: He actually got louder there. Yeah. That's a little (laughs) weird. But uh, anyway, there's a lot to discuss. But before we get to discussing the the recent big Cardinals news of the last, um, however long, last week, I guess. Oh, yeah, we do these weekly. That's right. Um, (laughs) I have a um, slightly irrelevant uh, trivia question for you. Okay, Heather, laughing. I think of the squeak, not the trivia question. Heather's not known for laughing at the trivia questions; more of uh, grimacing and giving me the evil eye. I'm
1: gonna trade him out for the squeaky
0: toy. All right, this. I think we're making the right decisions here from a uh, sound perspective. But uh, let's get uh, rolling here. You can have Kane help you on these trivia questions if you'd like. But okay, so. For, for no particular reason, over the weekend, I was watching the uh, 2011 World Series film, which oh, nice. I actually had never seen before, which seems weird that I hadn't seen it, but I did. And this uh, little bit of Cardinals trivia came to mind. So, first of all, do you know how many times the Cardinals have won the World Series? Yes. And that number is...
1: 11. Correct. Do I win the trivia?
0: No. But you got that much, so that's a start. I was going to be very afraid if you hadn't gotten that one right, actually. But, so, in the 11 World Series, none of the World Series were on uh, walk-off wins to determine it. So every time the series ended, the Cardinals were on defense. Okay. 11 different players have recorded the World Series winning put-out for the Cardinals. Okay. Who are those 11 players? I do not expect you to get all of them. I definitely would not have, but I assume some of them will be.
1: Okay, so I'll start with the ones that I know for sure. Um, Jason Mott.
0: Uh, Jason Mott did not get the World Series. Oh, you mean put
1: out. out? Oh, I thought you were talking about the pitcher on the mound. I,
0: I, no, I'm talking about the put out.
1: Ew! No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like, oh, you can
0: totally get these. Like, what
1: do you mean? Like, like Alan Craig.
0: Alan Craig is correct. He got the 2011 put out. So
1: there wouldn't be one for 2006 because it was a strikeout.
0: Well, there's still a put out if there's a strikeout. How? Somebody catches the ball.
1: Yadier Molina.
0: Yadier Molina's correct. I
1: don't like this at all. So As opposed to the
0: other trivia questions. The one
1: with Suter striking out someone, I guess, would be... I don't know who would be catching that. Um, who would be catching that? I don't know.
0: Well, if you don't know that one, you can try to guess some of the uh, older ones. McCarver. Tim McCarver's correct. 1967, he, got the, uh, he caught the strikeout from Bob Gibson. Gibson.
1: Um, I don't know anymore. Musial?
0: Musial's a good guess because he played some first base, (laughs) and so that's a a logical one, but that's incorrect.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these. Okay, well, so... I would have been a lot better with the pitchers, which is what I thought you meant, who recorded the last act, as in, like, the pitcher. But then I realized you said put out, which I still don't actually know what a put out is. Someone told me to learn baseball once because I got put out and assist wrong. I guess it's the person that actually catches the ball. Correct. So the person that does the least, generally, gets recorded with a put out. Well, not necessarily. If, if somebody makes, an like... an outfielder, I guess.
0: Yeah, if somebody makes, like, a, a dramatic catch, But, then like, the
1: catcher who did almost nothing but catch it.
0: He called the pitch.
1: <laughs> and then the first baseman who did nothing but catch it.
0: Cool. Well, well... That like,
1: sounds like a great stat. Good question, John.
0: <laughs> I don't know why Heather's so hostile at me, but let's just read off who the rest of the people were so we can move on to, uh... <laughs> Hopefully, her not being mad at me the entire time. (laughs) So, 1982, the uh, winning put out was uh, you were correct that it's a catcher, it was Daryl Porter.
1: Porter, that's his name. I could see his face, but not his. Uh,
0: 1964, it was a uh, shortstop who recorded the put out on a uh, a force play, on a ground out. It was uh, Dal Maxville. Okay. Uh, 1946 was Marty Marion. Okay. Uh,
1: 1944
0: was Walter Cooper. Nineteen forty two was the only player on the list that I can honestly say I'd never heard of. Uh Johnny Hop. Okay. Apparently he was the first baseman for the Cardinals in nineteen forty two. Who knew?
1: Interesting. Uh, nineteen
0: thirty four was Frankie Frisch. Okay.
1: Nineteen
0: thirty one, interestingly, was the only outfielder other than Alan Craig. It was uh, Pepper Martin. Oh
1: okay. and
0: nineteen twenty six was Rogers Hornsby. His put out was on a tag out of Babe Ruth. Oh, right,
1: right, right. Yes.
0: So, uh, yeah, that, that was my uh, trivia, my little uh, waste of time to get started. Hopefully people aren't too put off by the, like, few minutes we did that on. But, anyway, uh, Cardinals stuff. So, we uh, recorded the, uh, the last episode on Monday before the first game of the series against Cincinnati Reds. The, um, things did not go well. They uh, lost all four games of the series, And then the Cardinals played the Philadelphia Phillies, and they won all three games of that series. I'm not saying that the Cardinals' entire season turned around because they announced um, Pride Night (laughs) on, like, late Thursday, early Friday, but it seems like that's... You're
1: not not saying that, either.
0: The correlation is very strong. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying there's any causation, but I like the idea of, like, people who were, like, nervous about doing Pride Night on the grounds of it being, like, a distraction or something like that. Yeah. Like, clearly it wasn't. It's like not like...
1: all those stick-to-baseball comments. Like, yeah, it's not like oh, you're... really, we're going to announce this after we lost seven in a row? And then they go and win. It's pretty fun. I mean,
0: the Cardinals have, like, 50,000 theme nights throughout the year, and no one's accusing them of being a distraction, which they aren't because, like, it's not like Carlos Martinez is going to be, like, stitching the shirts for it or something. <laughs> like, it's just totally unrelated. But uh, thank you to the many, many people who uh, pointed out that uh vive alberto's got a uh, mention in the Derek gould article about the announcement so we'll be on the uh the lookout for that as soon as uh details come out it may not be this year but probably next year but it's a cool little side i guess but uh less cool of course was the uh, the red series we'll get to the phillies we'll get to the happier times later but um the reds sweeping the cardinals not exactly a uh, a great thing but I think one thing should be pointed out, which is that while the Reds are not a great team, and I think they've played a little bit above their heads, you know, so far this season, I think they are, like, materially a better team than the Philadelphia Phillies. So, like, mm-hmm. I, if you were to predict one of the series to be a sweep and one of them to get swept, I think even with the three games versus four, this would probably be what you would expect. Because, like, the Reds do—while their pitching's not great, they do have a lot—like, The Reds have more good players than the Phillies do, because the Reds have guys like Joey Votto, they have Scott Schebler, Billy Hamilton, maybe not a complete player, but certainly has a lot of great skills. And he
1: seems to do really well against the Cardinals. Correct.
0: Like, Billy Hamilton against the Cardinals is an MVP. Like, like he's Ricky Henderson against the Cardinals, basically. (laughs) It's amazing how good he is. Also, the Reds have Scooter Jeanette, which apparently qualifies as a great player, at least for that one game.
1: Yeah, you're darn right. He does. Yeah, so I feel like we need great to talk. Name I feel great like, player, I feel great like guy. We need to talk
0: about Scooter Jeanette just briefly. Uh, Jeanette, for those who were not following the Cardinals throughout the uh, all of this, it was <laughs> on um, Tuesday night. The uh, that Scooter Jeanette hit four home runs. He became the first player to hit four home runs in a game since Josh Hamilton in 2012, and I would dare say that of all the players that have hit four home runs in a game, Skewer Jeanette is now the one that makes the least sense. <laughs> like, Mark Witten was up there for making the least sense, but even he had, like, 25 home runs that year. It wasn't like he was not a home run hitter at all.
1: Right.
0: And Jeanette, I believe I believe the stat that I heard was that this was the first time he hit four home runs in a month, <laughs> and it was all in one game. But, yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. By the time he came up the fourth time, the game was completely out of hand. The Cardinals were down by, like, nine runs. At that point, I just wanted to hit the home run. Like, mm-hmm. I, like the Cardinals were not going to make that comeback. They called off the dogs. They pulled out all of their top players. It was, I don't even remember who it was pitching. It was like Brebbia or something like that. It was not somebody that was being put out there to get Scooter Jeanette out. It was somebody who was being put out there to fight another day, which, unfortunately, the next two days they didn't, but we didn't know that at the time. But, I mean, you, you of course, have met Scooter Jeanette, unlike, yeah. unlike me. For those who don't know the story, do you want to tell the the scooter story?
1: Sure Um, it was when he played for the Brewers and after uh, well I guess before the game started we at Viva Alberto's won uh, an on field visit for raising the most money uh, of the groups for the Cardinals Care 6K and so we got an on field visit to watch batting practice and it was the away teams batting practice. It was the Brewers. And so Scooter Jeanette was like right there, or Jeanette. Scooter Jeanette was right there. And so I was like yelling Scooter at him, trying to get his attention because I want to talk to him. And um, finally, Alex Fritz, who's a commenter on Viva Alberto's, like just yells Scooter really loud. And he turns around and I told him that I'm Scooter too. And he goes, what? And I was like, my name's Scooter too. And he goes, since or, since when or whatever? I said, I don't know, since I was a baby, I scooted instead of walked, and my dad nicknamed you Scooter. And he goes, you copied me. And I didn't know what to say to that, well, because is, I didn't know if I copied him or not. I mean, I. he is
0: older than you, I'm pretty sure. But so he, it's,
1: I looked it up, and he got the name when he was older. So he's not that much older than me.
0: The Scooter Jeanette's story is actually fantastic of how he got the nickname, because yeah. like, going into a police station and it being a... Uh, a nickname he got from, like, Muppet Babies or whatever it was. Like His
1: favorite character on the Muppet Babies.
0: Yeah. It's just really... You would not think, no offense to you, Heather, a person nicknamed Scooter. You would not think that it would have, like, the most, like, hardcore origins The nickname. <laughs> and yet his was, you know, considering his age at the time, oh. Scooter Jeanette was born May 1st, 1990, which means, of course, he's younger than me, but older mm-hmm. than you. So you may have still reasonably stolen the nickname.
1: No, I didn't, because he got his nickname when he was, like, five or six. I got mine when I was born, which means I got my nickname in 1993. Or not when I was born, but when I was, like, a couple months old. He got his nickname well in the 95. I didn't steal it. He stole it from me. I wrote it in a letter to him, but, which he has not responded, which is a wise choice, I think.
0: Well, you told him in person, like...
1: No, I didn't tell him I didn't steal it, because I didn't Oh,
0: you, Oh, you followed up the uh, interaction yeah. with a letter. Yeah,
1: I followed it up because I... Decided that I should investigate if I had stolen the name or not, and I didn't.
0: I'm surprised that he didn't respond to the letter by like abandoning the nickname. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just going to go by Ryan from now on. This is not Oof, going to. Not uh,
1: me, really is fun.
0: Yeah, though I do feel like giving up four home runs to Ryan Jeanette just sounds a lot less humiliating than giving up four home runs hey. to Scooter Jeanette.
1: Scooters are powerful people. You don't want to make us angry.
0: And I am a little bit scared of you, but that's not really related to your home run power. That's more related to your... uh, Dog. Yeah, your dog and your general anger towards me whenever I do trivia
1: questions.
0: (laughs) So that's uh, probably stewing right now, but it is is what it is, though. Really not a whole lot of interesting observations about the Red series. Things just didn't go well throughout the series. I think there was a little bit of an over-tendency by a lot of fans to blame a lot of the losses on Mike Matheny, which I think is... Like, I don't like the idea of blaming every single game on Mike Matheny, because, like, there are games that legitimately... The Cardinals are losing because of Mike Matheny, but it's not games that are losing by, like, 10 runs. That's just because sometimes you lay an egg and things just don't go well. So, my plea to everybody who is anti-Mike Matheny, and i It would be hard for me to argue that I'm not part of that camp based on my track record at Viva Alberto's, but... If you're going to be anti-Mike Matheny, try to pick your battles on this, and that was just a case of the pitching not performing well, the offense not hitting, and things just really going haywire, independent of the manager.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. It was a cluster, is what it was. It was the worst possible scenario for everyone involved. And that just happens. Maybe they, they'll get it all out in one series, and then they'll play great for the rest of the year.
0: Well, the, the next series ended up being a pretty good uh, omen for that. It was a good uh, start to the rest of the season. Before the actual uh, series started, though, between the Thursday day and the Friday night games, the uh, Cardinals, they called for a press conference. I, the, I first saw about the press conference around 1 p.m. Central Time. hmm And I was off work that day, so I was just immediately, like, freaking out, speculating, just making sure... I wasn't home at the time, but making sure I got home in time just to see what was going on. Because when you just see press conference and, like, the speculation being, like, major personnel changes... I didn't think Mike Matheny was getting fired, but it was like a non-zero chance.
1: I never thought for a second Mike Matheny was getting. Fired. Again, again, it was
0: it was not what I thought, but when that sort of thing's announced, that's what you would think in general. If they hadn't, yeah. you know, given him a three-year extension, you know, the day it, after the Cubs won the World Series, I
1: was pretty sure it was a Maloney thing, and it was. I was like, I think Maloney is gonna fall down on his sword on this one yeah (laughs) the
0: top two things that i anticipated it being ended up being both of those things so which i I guess that was a little bit of a surprise that they announced two things at once they technically announced more than two things but there were two major things that were announced at once uh one was that chris maloney who had been the uh, third base coach was uh reassigned in the uh, organization so He's no longer the third base coach. The new third base coach is somebody whose name I haven't quite gotten confident pronouncing. It's uh, Stilt or something.
1: Oh, I have no idea.
0: I I care so little about base coaches in general, though though Chris Maloney was definitely one who got a lot of uh, flack for uh, not being particularly uh, good when it came to (laughs) uh, decisions on running players. definitely was a very aggressive base coach. I... you mentioned that you felt like this was him sort of falling on his sword. Do you think this was just sort of a general shakeup or do you think it was him being fairly evaluated for his job performance or a little bit of both?
1: I think it was a shakeup. I don't really think the third base coach uh, was costing the Cardinals very many wins in the long run. <laughs> and so I just think they were trying to change it up. I mean, I don't think he was great at it, but I don't know. Name a third base coach that is a great third base coach.
0: Well, Jose Okendo has always been acclaimed for being a good third got base coach. a lot coach. of people thrown out, too. Yeah, I, yeah, I have to say that I, I understand people appreciating Jose Okendo, one, because they liked him as a player, mm-hmm. but also what he does not actually coaching the bases in terms of he's often been acclaimed for the work he does, especially with uh, Latin players being able to be sort of a bridge between. Mike Matheny or before him Tony La Russa, and players where there might be like a language barrier or a cultural barrier I don't know enough about the exact inner workings of the Cardinal staff to make a declaration on that but I'll I'll trust that he's very good at it just because that's what they say. always been what's been said about it and I can't actually see what's going on so I'll defer to others on it but yeah as a base coach I think Okenda has always been like it's, it's hard to say because like people criticized him at the time it's almost like the Larusa to Matheny thing where people criticize him at the time for things. People
1: always criticize the manager and they always criticize the third base coach. It's just going to be how baseball is. Well, it doesn't
0: necessarily mean that they aren't like legitimately bad no. or making mistakes, though. But I feel like Maloney was a bit more overly aggressive and there was less of an obvious role that he had. I think if the had. team
1: had been winning, people wouldn't have cared. I agree. <laughs> I think if they would have been winning and he was doing the same thing, they would have been like, Oh, Maloney, that's so silly, kind of like what we did with Okendo. Yeah, like, it... oh, Okendo, okay, always sending everyone, ha, ha, ha. You know, yep. I just don't think people would have cared. It's just not, I don't know, maybe I just don't care.
0: Yeah, the Cardinals could be having exactly as good or bad of results when it comes to the third base coaching, but if the Cardinals were in first place and they were having a better season, none of it would matter. Mm-hmm. Like Clearly, I think this is a case of just making a move for a move's sake, even if it was the correct move, mm-hmm. it's certainly not the biggest move in the world. But it can still be a good move. I don't want
1: to. Yeah, no, I, I don't say. I'm not saying it's a bad move. I'm just saying that it it doesn't happen if the Cardinals aren't losing.
0: Yeah, it was a small move, but the small moves do add up. But the other move that was announced at the same press conference was that uh, Johnny Peralta, who started the season as the uh, opening day third baseman and had, of course, been a shortstop for the Cardinals in his first two seasons in 2014 and 2015, was uh, designated for assignment, which doesn't technically end his Cardinals career, but it basically ended his Cardinals career because he was not going to go to the minor leagues, and that's pretty much what it was. So they ended up activating Colton Wong from the disabled list, which had been anticipated for a while. Mm -hmm. I think the question at that point was, were they going to... Give Peralta another chance, or were they going to leave uh, Paul DeYoung up in the major leagues? He was probably going to be the guy who went down, if not for Peralta. But they end up going the Peralta route. He Peralta, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, had been struggling very mightily during this season. Mm-hmm. He'd been on the downswing the last couple of years. I think the phrase I used last episode was basically just an exaggerated aging curve. He was very good his first year and a half with St. Louis. And then things just went awry. Uh, what were your thoughts, Heather, on the the move itself, as far as Peralta? And I certainly Wong's a more valuable player than Peralta, so not in that regard. But like when it comes to like Peralta versus DeYoung.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't think either one really impacts it very much. I guess I prefer to cut bait with Peralta now, just because I feel like this is this is it. Like it's not getting any better. We're with DeYoung. There's more potential. I don't know. Maybe better defense too.
0: Yeah, I think DeYoung is a better player than Peralta at this point. The one concern would be if you want to give DeYoung regular playing time. Right,
1: that's the thing is they they keep playing him. Although now that Colton Wong. Yeah, like he ha-
0: he hasn't played as much since Colton Wong came up. I think he had a pinch hitting appearance, but hasn't been starting. Though I guess if they want to keep him as. A backup infielder, but sort of has a similar role to Greg Garcia. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know exactly what his role is going to be. I tend to think that the next roster move that comes along, which maybe Randall Grichuk coming back up to the major leagues, at that point it might be the point where Dion goes back down. Yeah, I which I don't think, right. is, which I don't think is a negative reflection on him specifically. But I think that, like at that point, he just doesn't have much of a spot on this team. If you. Yeah. You know, Greg Garcia is four years older than DeJong, and at this point, like, the odds that either one becomes, like, a superstar seem pretty low. But DeJong has a better chance just because he's 24 rather than 28 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so with uh, Grichik, though, as has been mentioned repeatedly, he was demoted to A-ball originally. He's back up in Triple A now. It seems like it's just a matter of time before he gets promoted back to the Cardinals. It was never really speculated from the beginning that he was going to be in the minors for long. It was more of just a stint down there to work out some issues. he had been struggling pretty badly at the plate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I guess first of all, do you think this is the like? Do you think it's the correct move just to have Gritch in the majors? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I,
1: I think they need another outfielder, and there's there are plate appearances to be had among all the outfield positions, so... Yeah.
0: And, oh, I guess another name I forgot to mention was uh, Chad Huffman, who made his debut against the Reds. And Is then, he an outfielder? No, he's, a, he's been a first baseman for the most part, uh-huh.
1: but... Like, sounds like a pitcher name to me.
0: Yeah, Chad Huffman, I don't know what exactly he's doing on the Cardinals, which <laughs> sounds, sounds brutal, but he's like 32 years old. He's Matt Carpenter's high school friend that seems to... Aww. be part of the uh the, the cardinals kind of do this
1: every year where i feel like they call someone up to fill a spot just kind of as like a thank you to pay for paying your dues type of thing sort of like with brock peterson yeah and um xavier scruggs a little bit and like uh the or
0: like or like whenever stubby clap came up back in the day when he was like Twenty
1: eight or twenty nine. Yeah, kind of that sort of thing where it's like once you play, once you're on, once you're on the team, or maybe it's once you play, but then you get the. What do you automatically get?
0: You automatically get a pension. Pension and right? I it actually might not be the pension, but you automatically get the uh, health benefits.
1: Is that it? Something for life, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's almost like a like a thank. I don't know. Not even like a thank you because they don't have to yeah. do that kind of thing. But it's almost like a reward for being a team which is gonna sound corny, but I mean if you were Chad Huffman and that were and they called like you toiled in the minors for all that time and they called you up for just a week or so, like that would mean a lot that would mean a lot to me if that were me. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a nice thing to do when it like who else are you gonna call up for a week?
0: Yeah, assuming that Gritchick's not an option, I think that Huffman's fine just because like again, who else?
1: Yeah, it doesn't hurt anything. Like who who else are you going to call up to not play? You know, <laughs>
0: I feel like all the names I would suggest would be pitchers, and we don't want to go down that road yeah, again of so, having a million unused pitchers.
1: So why not? You know, why not? I think it's nice. I don't. I'm not saying that's what they're doing. It's probably just because they don't want to take the playing time away from a younger player. But I mean, I think that's a. I think it's a nice thing to do when you think about it that way. Like here's your health care. You just sit on the bench, wear this uniform, and you could just say that you were a major leader. It's but an- cool. anyway,
0: though, since we've completely gone on a tangent...
1: I, I don't I, mind it. Long story short, I don't mind it.
0: Huffman or DeYoung probably would be the one going down.
1: I actually forgot that Huffman was up.
0: Hopefully. It, it, it's easy to forget. I actually had forgotten up until yesterday whenever he came in to pinch it, and then I remember, oh, yeah, him again. It's
1: because they... Yeah. I, well, I, we're so used to having 13 pitchers on the roster that I'm not used to having another... Uh, bench player to analyze here. I'm like, oh, right.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think that when it comes... There's been a lot of speculation as far as like what Grichik's role is going to be once he comes back up to the Cardinals. And at this point, all of the outfielders are playing well, though. So it's sort of hard to... Uh, like, who's going to sit at that point? Because Dexter Fowler, while there's been some criticism, I and mean, we can talk about that in a second... Has been playing well. Steven Piscay has been hitting the ball much better. He started off the season not doing so well at the plate and has improved. Tommy Pham, of the three, has been the worst hitter in the last couple of weeks, but that's all relative because mm-hmm. he's just been terrific since he came back up and he's been generally a good defensive player. He made a pretty uh, a, a semi-difficult play, I guess. I don't want to exaggerate it too much, to close out the win on Friday. I
1: think the catch probability on that was like, 20% or
0: something? I thought it was a little bit higher than that, but whatever it was, it was... 25%? It was, what, whatever it was, though, it was not a play that, say, Matt Adams would have made because, <laughs> because there's, like, a rule on this podcast we have to mention Matt Adams in left field just constantly, just for no good reason <laughs> other than just to be mean-spirited.
1: Just to remind everyone that that did happen. That was not a was, nightmare. Yeah,
0: it was not just something you imagined. That was a thing. But at this point... There almost seems to be this idea with Randall Gritchick that you have to give him playing time, and I just don't understand why that is. Hmm. Like, Gritchick, <laughs> he, he's 25, he turns 26 in early August, and, like, obviously he's not an old player, but he's not also, he's also not so young that I think he has to play every day necessarily. And if this is just what he is, then that... Like, there almost seems to be a disconnect, though, between what the uh, the Cardinals like, staff that's, like, Mike Matheny and maybe John Mabry, whoever else the major league level thinks, and what the front office thinks, because, you know, Gritchik hasn't signed an extension like Stephen Piscotty has, and Gritchick has been demoted to the minors several times. But whenever he's been in the majors, basically since 2014 almost, he's been a starter. I guess 2015 he started out the season on the bench for a while, but for the most part he's been a starter in the major leagues, so... I just don't know why there's such a confidence that Gritchik is, like, a future Major League star, which isn't to say that I think Gritchik's bad or anything. I think that in the same way that I've always said that Tommy Pham and before him John Jay were fairly idealized fourth outfielders because they're guys that can play all three spots in the outfield. They're guys who are legitimate pinch-hitting threats. Like, Gritchik can play all three spots in the outfield. He has played all three spots in the outfield at a somewhat high level, and Like, I don't think he's a great defensive center fielder, but I don't think he's just totally horrible either. He might be better than Dexter Fowler at this point, for all Mm -hmm. we know. But certainly could fill in there in a pinch, and it wouldn't be that big of a detriment. But also a guy who has as much raw power as he does coming off the bench, that would be a very appealing option. And you can still rotate guys out. You don't have a situation like last year, where Steven Piscotty was playing so often that he was slumping down the stretch. Right. You can let Gritchick fill in... This is a, a drum that uh, Craig Edwards has beat quite a bit in terms of, you know, having a rotation of the four outfielders. I guess Jose Martinez, who's, you know, played okay, but probably would be more or less left out. But you could still work out a situation where all four of those guys, the the four being Pham, uh Piscotty, and Fowler, would still all play a majority of the games, and then whoever isn't playing would be a pinch-hitting option. hmm and I, I don't think you should do a timeshare just for the sake of doing a timeshare, but I think you should do a timeshare because it's going to keep guys fresh. Exactly. And you don't want to just overuse them. And if you have a guy like Richick or a guy like Fam, depending on who you consider the odd man out here, who can fill in, who can play center field, who can play either of the corners, then you have a lot of flexibility there, and that's going to be a very good thing to have.
1: I agree. I think that there's a way that they can all get significant at-bats and no one really is the odd man out because there's three spots there's four people for three spots there's a I mean I could do the probability yeah. but there's a lot of different permutations of those those four spots
0: yeah and at this point three spots and like I said before at this point I don't think it should be like evenly split between the four because I feel like at this point you know gritch struggled so much at the major league level and the other three guys especially recently have been on a tear and, like, I don't necessarily believe in hot streaks per se, but I think there is a such thing as, you know, players just sort of being, I guess, more focused. Or, mm-hmm. like, like I think there is a such thing as being kind of in, in the, the zone. zone mentally. Yeah. Which I don't want to, like, get, you know, by too much into it. I'm not going to interpret the fact that, say, you know, Fam is on a relative, you know, hot month or so at the plate as a sign that he's going to be just a superstar forever. I'm not saying you know, sign him to a seven-year extension or anything like that, but I think you might as well go with that for now. But I also never thought that Gritchick was ever that much better than Fam to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, if this were a case of a guy coming absolutely out of nowhere, if this were, like, uh, Magnari Sierra coming up and going on a hot streak after nobody had really anticipated him being any kind of, like, superstar, then at that point I'd be a little bit more weary of it. But, like, fam has been productive as a major league player. He just gets hurt a lot. Right. And that's part of why you shuffle guys in and out of mm-hmm. the lineup to avoid a higher risk of those sorts of injuries.
1: Mm-hmm. And then if it do, one does happen, which hopefully it doesn't, but you never know, it'll You start, have to
0: plan for it, though. It'll
1: sort itself out, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing, is I feel like all of this talk about having the four guys rotating is just, like, jinxing somebody going to mm-hmm. the DL. And oh, then,
1: definitely. <laughs>
0: and then Jose Martinez is back to getting uh, the regular time, which, no offense to Jose Martinez, but he has not been as good as the other four, and so I'm a little less excited about him, but I think at this point he's earned his Major League spot, you know, certainly more so than Chad Hoffman or Paul De Mm-hmm. And Dexter Fowler has been the target of some criticism, you know, so far in his Cardinals career for supposedly not getting off to a very good start to it, but like, when you look at his numbers, though, he, like, on the season right now, he as of the time we're recording this, he has a 103 WRC+, plus, which means he's been three percent better than the average major league hitter which like it may not sound impressive but like three percent better like he's above average to whatever degree and that that number keeps increasing throughout like on a month-by-month basis in april he had an 88 wrc plus in may it was a 104 and so far in june which i mean you're looking at not even half a month but he's at 137 so i feel like he may have been pressing a little bit at the beginning it's a little bit like whenever Jason Hayward came to St. Louis and he started off not doing very well at the plate, and he's just Im- improved, you know, as time went along. And like, I'm not worried about Fowler at all, but I think the part of it is that I think fans just kind of need to recalibrate their expectations whenever there's a free agent signing because, like, he signed for 16 and dollars, which it still sounds like a lot. Like, it's it's hard to hear that number and think that this is. Something that you're basically paying for, like a slightly above average player, but and it was the same thing last year with Mike Leake. He ended up making 16 million a year, and the expectation it sounds like so much more money than it actually is in the grand scheme of how much Major League free agents make.
1: Yeah, but I guess it's really not because if you think of the war uh, dollars per war, what is it like six million?
0: I think it's about seven or eight at this point. Per 70, win, yeah. yeah.
1: Per win, and like an average player is two wins above replacement. So that's already $14 million a year. Yeah. It
0: actually, <laughs> it actually arguably makes more sense to worry about Fowler being average-ish than Leak because Leak was younger when he signed and mm-hmm. had less sort of obvious signs of potentially not being as great down the road because you have um, Dexter Fowler, you have a guy who's in his 30s already on a five-year deal and somebody probably isn't going to finish off the contract in center field. Like, it's entirely possible. Like, there are times that Dexter Fowler's playing center field where I think he's probably the least qualified center fielder out there whenever it's like... Like, I think Gritchick and Pham both might be better than him. And I think Pham's defense gets a little bit overrated by St. Louis fans. The numbers are not great defensively. It's in too small of a sample size to glean too much from it, but... I think it might be one of those things where he sort of we don't see him as often, so therefore we have these illusions of him being just a master at it. But regardless, though, I'm not worried about Fowler because I feel like the way he's like because he's still drawing walks, especially you know guys like that are going to sustain that. And they're like if you're able to draw walks at the rate that he draws walks or that Matt Carpenter draws walks, neither one of them has a particularly high batting average at this point, but they're still getting on base you know, because the average is low, it's maybe not quite as much as you'd like, but it's not dramatically off either. You're still, like, well above 300 in terms of getting on base. And Fowler actually, like he has more power than I was expecting, too. He had his ninth home run yesterday, and, like, at this point, he's on pace for a 20-some-odd home run season, which is not the kind of player that Dexter Fowler has typically been throughout his career, but I'm not going to argue against it. Like... (laughs) Home runs are good. I'm I'm a big fan of the whole offense where you don't have to worry about babbup at that point. Right, you just hit it out of the park. They're not going to be able to. Uh, I guess you know some guy some guys will rob home runs, but that's a pretty small number of home runs that actually get stolen at the uh, at the wall.
1: And one of the guys that's. Like the best of doing that is on the DL now with that injured thumb, and the Cardinals don't really play in it.
0: Yeah, we talking about Mike Trout, I guess. Of or course. okay, I was gonna say like, yeah, and they never play him at Busch Stadium as we talked about last week, which I guess I should be happy about that because like he's good, and <laughs> but his team's not good though. So speaking of tangents, yeah. <laughs> but uh, one thing that speaking of uh, DL, hey, that's a transition, right? Yeah. Uh, one thing that's been interesting the last during this series has been during the Phillies series, I should say, is that Eric Fryer started all three games of the series while Yadier Molina didn't play. It's sort of an open question as far as what's going on with Molina and why he's not able to play. You know, Seemingly has some sort of injury, perhaps more of a day-to-day thing, but there's been a lot of calls, including from myself, that rather than operating just with Eric Fryer, that the Cardinals should put Yadier Molina on the 10-day disabled list, even if he's not truly hurt for all 10 of those days. At least at that point, you just sort of give him a breather because he is still at uh, 35 leading, or 34, whatever. I don't remember player's name. You guys should know that by now. Or ages. ages. Nor do I know the word ages, apparently. But <laughs> like at that point, you give him a little bit of a breather because he's catching so many innings because he has so much wear and tear on him throughout his entire career. You can call up Carson Kelly, who's hitting very well in Triple A Memphis. At this point... I don't think there's any question that Carson Kelly is more qualified to be a Major League starter right now than Eric Fryer. They just want him to play every day. And when you're playing behind Yachty or Molina, you're not going to play every day. But if Molina's on the disabled list, that's no longer a threat. Am, am I overthinking this, or are you going to agree with me on that?
1: I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what's going on with Molina. Like, they said his back issues. So it might have been one of those things where they thought it would clear out... I don't
0: know. So, do you think this is one of those cases, though, where, like, tomorrow there's a doubleheader for the Cardinals? I like he'll he, play tomorrow. I like, think he will. As long as he plays in one of the games, because, you know, you generally don't, your catcher playing both games as a doubleheader under good circumstances, mm-hmm. but certainly not if a guy's coming off of being, you know, hurt the last three games.
1: Yeah, I think he'll play tomorrow. I think maybe they were just trying to get him some rest because they didn't want to aggravate the back, and maybe they just want, like, one series or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's I been no su- there's been
0: surprisingly few of the uh the 10-day disabled list uh, stints for the Cardinals because of that rule change in the offseason a lot of other teams, particularly teams like the Dodgers are really like almost gaming the system to put guys on the DL just as a means of rest. And at that point you can obviously call other players up. But it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case right now and at this point, if they were to... And they could still retroactively put him on the DL for basically a week, but it would also be annoying at that point that Eric Fryer had gotten those three starts, despite the fact that the Cardinals went 3-0 and during those games. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was going to say, they won those games, so maybe maybe that's the secret. Maybe it was Yadier Molina the whole time.
0: So Yadier Molina was the, the player that was holding back the Cardinals, and they should rebuild around Eric Fryer, is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page here. <laughs> Clearly, Eric Fryer is the uh, the, the vaunted superstar. And it was weird because Eric Fryer was so good; like his stats were so good, at the being of last season with the Cardinals, and he ended up losing his spot with the Cardinals in the weirdest way because it was reactivating Brian Pena, who then got hurt like immediately, like the next game he played, and then at that point Fryer was gone, and then Pittsburgh signed him and. <laughs> I was at the games at the end of last season, and the friend of mine that I was with gave him a standing ovation whenever Fryer came back up to the plate. I <laughs> think a good St. Louis welcome.
1: Yes, of course. Like
0: David Freeze didn't play that series, so he didn't he didn't get to do that one. But
1: but they already got David Freeze earlier in the year.
0: Yeah, Cardinals legends like David Freeze and Eric Fryer deserve recognition <laughs> constantly. Could be Albert Pools. they just need to schedule him. But yep. Apparently that's, that's still not a thing. But anyway, the the Cardinals, as we've mentioned several times, and for some reason haven't actually addressed, uh, won three straight games. Yay. It was a, a mix of uh, games in terms of intensity. Uh, Friday was a, a nail-biter. They ended up winning the game, though, with help from Tommy Pham on his uh, catch-to-close things out. Saturday was uh, a less dramatic game in terms of being competitive. And then Sunday was... A little bit more mixed. The Phillies jumped out to an early lead. Cardinals ended up coming back, taking a three-run lead, and then Sangwano nearly blew it in the ninth. (laughs) However, it was the fifth Cardinals game I attended this year yesterday, and it was the first one they won. So that's a good good omen, I suppose. But I think the biggest uh, story as far as what happened for the Cardinals on the field this series, and you can disagree with me, but because you're you, I don't think you will disagree, (laughs) was Carlos Martinez. Who pitched on Saturday? He pitched his first career complete game shutout, which is unfortunate because he had a game last month that he pitched nine shutout innings, and the Cardinals didn't score any runs. So therefore, <laughs> not only did they not, not only did he not get the win, the Cardinals didn't get the win because they ended up losing it in thirteen. But that's unrelated. But Carlos Martinez, he ended up uh, walking one batter, gave up four hits, I believe it was yep. uh, struck out. Was 11. it eleven? I thought so. But, I guess, and the question, I guess, at this point is, and this is such a silly sort of sports talk kind of question, but I guess this is sort of a sports talk show, so we might as well ask it. Is Carlos Martinez an ace? Sure. Yeah, that seems like a good answer.
1: Like... (laughs) Sure he is.
0: People always ask this question, there's really, like, how do you define an ace Is the question? Like... You could argue that an ace is one of the 30 best pitchers in baseball because there's 30 teams, therefore an ace would be somebody that's qualified to be the best on one of those teams. Do I think Carlos Martinez is one of the 30 best starting pitchers in baseball? I don't think there's any question about it. I think he definitely is. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at this point, I think that there's there's a hierarchy of pitchers that I think are ahead of Martinez, but it's, like, the list of pitchers I think are definitively better than him is, it's a short list at this point, like... Clayton Kershaw, despite the fact that they actually have similar stats here, I would still say is better than Carlos Martinez. Like, if Kershaw in a down year is equaling Carlos Martinez at his peak, that's a sign that Kershaw is really, really good. Like, Chris Sale, I would say, is definitely ahead of Martinez. Max Scherzer, I would say, is definitely ahead of Martinez. And, like, there's a few other names that, you know, with decreasing levels of confidence, I would say are. But, like, this is a guy who's pitching... I think at the absolute best, you're getting the best of both worlds of Martinez because you have him throwing it really, really fast to use the technical term. Like he was piping in over 100 miles an hour in the ninth inning on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Which there was always talk at the beginning of his career that maybe he was going to be just a reliever because he has that you know high burst of energy sort of pitch. But he's doing this after like 100 plus pitches. He's still throwing that hard.
1: Would you say that this is his peak right now? I think it's. I think he can get better.
0: Well, I mean, I, when I say it's peak, I mean it's peak so far, because... Yeah. But, like, he's really just refining everything, because, like, the first couple years, his ERA was not as good as you would think. Like, he was throwing the ball really hard, but guys were getting hard hits off of him, and things were not going as smoothly as one might have liked, and he was still walking guys at a decent rate at that point. But at this point, he's gotten the walk rate pretty well under control. He's striking out guys, but he's also pitching the contact very well. He's becoming a very complete pitcher.
1: Well, my next question was going to be, who do you think was a better pitcher? 2009, 2010, Adam Wainwright, or current Carlos Martinez?
0: I mean, I would still have to go with Wainwright just because, like, you look at those Cy Young finishes, he finished uh, third, it was, I believe, in 2009, and then second in 2010. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think Martinez is quite there, but he's not that far off either, and if he keeps making starts like he has the last couple months, because he got off to a, a pretty poor start, but if he can keep up what he's done since like the beginning of May. I hate to bring up the fact that it was whenever he cut his hair that he started getting good because
1: <laughs> technically that wasn't even his real hair. So he just got rid of the, the fake extensions,
0: hair. Yeah. yeah. I can't stress enough how much the extensions are not the reason he was pitching poorly, nor is getting rid of them the reason he's pitching well. Though the correlation again is there.
1: Yes, and those extensions were ugly anyway. They were so ugly. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that they're
0: they're gone. I'm glad they're gone for reasons unrelated to his performance because you know, he's just...
1: You know what, if he thinks that that was the reason and and then now he's pitching better because his confidence is better, then maybe it was the reason. I don't know.
0: If it's a purely psychological thing, if he felt like that was going to make him better, then yeah, do the thing that you think is going to make yeah. you better. It, even if there's no actual like logical reason for it, if there's something mentally that makes you think that something's going to lead to your improvement, then yeah, go for it. But yeah, as far as if he's an ace, it's such a stupid question. It's like asking the, is, you know, Joe Flacco an elite quarterback question. Like, like I don't know. Like, how is he the best quarterback in the NFL? No. Is he one of the 30 best? Sure. But,
1: but yeah, there's like 30. There's
0: a lot of room in between there.
1: And the reason why I kind of asked the Wainwright thing is because, is it once an ace, always an ace type of thing? or I don't do think so. do you lose your ace status?
0: I think you lose your ace status. Because, like,
1: if you're a... A fighter pilot ace, you get five kills. That's what an ace is. So that's once an ace, always an ace. Those kills don't go away.
0: I was scared of you before you started bringing up the kills. So (laughs) now you're really just uh, rubbing them. But yeah, I I don't think Adam Wainwright classifies as an ace anymore, just because he just hasn't quite been. But I'm looking at the the fan graphs.
1: Kind of like I don't like that. That just because you get old, like you're just because you're able to pitch long enough to decline then all of a sudden you're not an ace anymore? Like, I don't know. He's still Adam Wainwright to me.
0: Well, I mean, he's still Adam Wainwright. That, that's still his name. It's not like he, like, loses the title of Adam Wainwright. I'm just saying he loses the the hypothetical ace title because I would say he's not one of the 30 best pitchers in baseball, which is, a again, a very conservative estimate of what an ace would be.
1: Well, I mean, is it career best, or is it just best this year?
0: I, I think it's... I guess the best way to measure would be what you think they are going forward, which is some combination yeah. of accomplishment and what they've been so far this season. So far, at this point in the season, Carlos Martinez is tied for fifth in uh, FanGraphs Wins Above Replacement among pitchers. He's tied with Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw is ahead of him on the list, but I'm not sure if that I'm not sure how they measure that. Though so Kershaw has a lower ERA, FIP, and xFIP, and he has slightly more innings, but it also could be a park related thing, but and
1: hitting, right, or is this just pitching? This is more? just pitching. Because one thing I was going to say again about Adam Wainwright is if he's going to be kind of a mediocre pitcher, the Adam Wainwright that is an excellent hitter doesn't hurt either. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not necessarily an ace thing, but I mean that's pretty cool that he's now become an like an excellent hitting pitcher. Yeah,
0: you know, yesterday he started the game on Sunday, as I mentioned. And uh, Greg Garcia pinched it for him. And there were fans all around me who were mad that he was being pinched hit for because they thought that Wainwright was a better hitter than Greg Garcia, which I think is extreme.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: I know Wainwright's stats this year are better than Garcia's. It might but
1: have better power stats. So yeah, know.
0: but Garcia ended up drawing a walk and then Dexter Fowler hit a home run. So <laughs> I, I think it worked out just fine. <laughs> but yeah, the pitchers that are ahead of him, ahead of Martinez are uh, Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Chris Archer, and Steven Strasburg, and, like, I would say all of those guys are classified probably as aces. Yeah. Like, Archer, I guess, is the youngest of that group, so he might... But I would say Archer... I think Archer and Martinez are on similar levels. I'd
1: say most of those guys are on similar... Like, Strasburg's been around a while, but he... And he has, like, the the flashy name, because he was, like, a high draft pick and stuff. Yeah. And he had that news with the Tommy John surgery and the le- innings limit and everything. But I think that he's kind of on the same level as Martinez, like, as far as similar value.
0: This is totally irrelevant, but did you know that number 15 in fangraphs WAR for pitchers is Craig Kimbrell? Huh. Craig Kimbrell is ahead of Dallas Keuchel, who's the ALERA leader, which is absurd, because Kimbrell, of course, is a relief pitcher who's...
1: Very good, really. 27 two-thirds
0: in yeah he has a 0.98 0.98 era 0.24 fip 0.85 xfip so yeah he's he's doing pretty well <laughs> so i'm glad we've gotten that out of the way that craig kimbrill <laughs> is really good
1: piece of information
0: yeah just important to uh cl- clarify all of these what matters he on? No, he's okay. on boston
1: oh boston i was gonna say the yankees but it's the opposite one
0: yeah Sort of their uh, their ongoing arms race. Yes. Did you see that? This is again completely unrelated to the Cardinals, but the episode hasn't gone quite as long as I thought it was, so I feel like we can mess around a little bit. Did you see the? I think it was Rob Parker wrote it, the article about the five greatest power hitters ever, and he put Aaron Judge on the list.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't.
0: Aaron Judge has been such an exciting and fun story in baseball because he's just hitting like crazy for the Yankees. And I'm going to get so sick of him because, like, he's a rookie. He's clearly not one of the five best power hitters ever. There isn't a player active in baseball except maybe Pools, who's one of the five best power hitters ever. Like, maybe Miguel Cabrera. Like, But there's no way you could possibly justify on any level Judge being on that list. But I guess this is the era of the hot take. And (laughs) it is a hot take, I must say that.
1: In ten years, he might be looking real smart. You never know.
0: He probably won't. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, anyone who has any familiarity with Rob Parker's track record could probably safely guess that he will probably not be looking correct because he has a long, long history of looking very wrong on things. <laughs> but I guess he had a lot of clicks, though, so good for him.
1: Yeah, that's all, all that matters.
0: And you start titling my uh, post a little bit more uh, fancifully. Is Jed Jerko the greatest power hitter in the history of the St. Louis Cardinals? Question mark.
1: And then put no in
0: the article. I had an article kind of like that not that long ago where I said, so I don't remember what it was, but basically I immediately said probably not. But I think it was actually the one where I said Mike Leak is a Cy Young candidate. I just, My first sentence of the article was, Mike Leek's probably not going to win the Cy Young. However, here's the path to him doing it. Which hopefully there were a lot of disappointed people because I aim to displease Yeah. I say as we were about to start promoting our stuff, which is probably not the best time for a confession. Anyway, um, we'll let you go first. One, because you always do, and two, so people can get the taste of me being apathetic towards their feelings out of their mouth. Heather, where can we find your work?
1: Um, You can follow me on Twitter at LIL underscore Scooter 93. Um, You can also read my ride at Viva Alberto's under that same handle, Uh, Monday through Friday
0: at 12 noon. All right, sounds good. I think we've killed enough time for me to do my thing. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at JohnJF125. You can read my work on uh, Vive Albertas under the name John J. Fleming, which I still feel weird saying John J. Fleming. Like, there are totally people that know me as John J. Fleming, even though I kind of forget my own middle initial sometimes. (laughs) But... Yeah, you can check me out there. Check out Viva Albertos on Twitter at Viva Albertos. Obviously, check out vivaalbertos.com, facebook.com slash vivaalbertos. You can go ahead and like the page. You can see the Facebook post updates, which are frequently done by uh, Ms. Simon here.
1: Yeah, not a lot lately. Craig's been doing a lot, but I do some occasionally.
0: Usually, you can tell when it's Heather. It's <laughs> like a bu- like anytime it's very like straight lays and like, hey, here's what the article's about. That's Craig. Like Craig has some personality with them sometimes, but whenever you see the ones where it's just like Carlos Martinez and a bunch of hearts, <laughs> while Craig also loves Carlos Martinez because really who doesn't? That's mm-hmm. usually how they're on the Facebook page. But
1: yeah, yeah. Well, one day we'll switch it up just to throw everyone off.
0: We'll never see it coming. But yeah. uh, thank you very much for listening, Heather. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? Nope. Yep, me either. <laughs> uh, Cardinals played two games tomorrow. Hopefully things go well. Um, NHL season ended yesterday NBA might end tonight so hopefully the Cardinals can keep things up and make sports fun yay yay